Attention all CMOs and aspiring CMOs, it's time for another deep dive into the topics that matter most to you. That's right, time for another CMO combo. As you rise through the ranks as a marketer, it's all too easy to think of B2B and B2C as two distinct disciplines, but many companies do both, and once you're leading the marketing, you might find yourself responsible for both B2B and B2C. Eric Lent, CMO of Prezi, is one such marketing leader, and he joined us to show that rather than being two separate responsibilities, there are actually two sides of the same coin, with one informing the other, and vice versa. Hi, Eric. Welcome, welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Will. Thank you for having me, and I want to say a big hello to all your listeners. I'm excited to be here and grateful for this opportunity. Well, I'm sure Derek's excited to, to have you here, Eric, as, as, I, as am I as well. Um, as I mentioned when we were um, sort of setting up this episode, um, we, we have a lot of B2B perspectives on this and we have a lot of well not as much as I'd like b2c perspectives but we are getting some more b2c but I'm really interested in sort of the intersection between the both and how you manage your time and how you manage to keep your head around it. I'm sure a lot of our CMOs are interested in that as well because to my mind they're, they're quite different disciplines or at least historically they've been seen as quite different disciplines so I'm looking forward to exploring that with you um but before sure. we do dig into that eric maybe you could introduce yourself to our audience and tell us why you wanted to talk about this subject in particular sure so so i have um, a long history of building brands driving growth leading people worked in in domestic u.s roles international roles in both general management and marketing capacity and so i've had the you know the, the really good fortune of of leading marketing teams around the world, leading countries, leading regions of the world, and really at the heart of it, learning what understands, learning, learn, understanding rather what makes humans tick around the world, which is frankly far more similar than different. And I spent the bulk of my career, you know, a good 20 years in CPG and FMCG. And, and when you work in marketing capacity in those roles, you have accountability for a PL. You run a cross-functional team, be it manufacturing, finance, et cetera. And so you really get a holistic understanding of business and business as a discipline and how to craft strategy to drive growth. I then parlayed that early experience into hospitality and then more recently private equity and today the fintech sector. I recently joined Prezi as their global chief marketing officer. And Prezi is a business that's on a mission to ignite human connection through remarkable digital gifting moments. And we do that through a website and an app that allows you to, to go into our platform, purchase a gift card. And when you purchase that gift card, you can then attach a video, a card, a gift, and send that to the, the recipient. And it takes what has historically been a more of a transactional experience, and we've turned it into an emotional experience. And in that, in that emotion, then we, when the recipient gets the gift, there's this really wonderful point of, of connection with the giver from the video or, or the card. But at the same time, then the recipient can take the card and either, either use it in the denomination that they have or apply it to other gift cards within our platform. So all of a sudden you have this flexibility of choice so it really has given us a point of distinction within the marketplace. That point of distinction has helped us get to unicorn status uh, less than a year ago, and we're well on a path to greatly exceed that for our current fiscal. 
We're leading up to the Christmas holiday, which is our, our peak sales of the year. So, so right now we're in a stage where all hands are on deck. Our B2B teams, our B2C teams are helping customers and consumers address all their last minute needs as it relates to gifting. And so this is like a wonderful time for us to talk about the intersection of B2B, B2C, and how to win customer hearts and minds. For sure, for sure. Um, and thank you very much for taking time to speak to me. It's such a busy time of year as well, Eric. Um, I, I, I'm sure you must be absolutely exhausted. Um, but, well, this is my break right now. This is a break for me. <laughs> well, thank you for spending that break with me, for sure, for sure. Um, so, as I said at the top of the show, um, when I was trained to be a marketer, I'm sure when a lot of people were sort of starting out in marketing, B2B and B2C was always thought of as very separate things and you had to approach them in very different ways. Does it? Like, let's, let's just start with that question. Like, does it really require a completely different approach between B2B and B2C in terms of how you think yeah. about your audience and turn, turn of how you think about your customer needs? Yeah, I would say no and yes. Um, the reality is that, you know, at the end of the day, you're selling to a human. Right. And a human, when they make decisions, if you think about cognitively how decisions are processed, when somebody gets introduced to new information, be it an ad or, or be it a blog or, or a sales piece, the, the right side of their brain lights up emotionally. Right. Is this good information? Is it bad information? Does this help? Does it hurt? How do I feel emotionally? And then in a nanosecond, the left side of the brain rationalizes that decision. That goes, that's the same process for a B2B decision or a B2C decision because it's, it's consumer psychology, right? And so the art and science of being able to craft communications in a way that drives a change in behavior is largely the same at its core. Where, it differences, where the difference is is in, is in the, the purchase occasion itself, right? On the B2B side, typically it's a more complex sale it's a longer sales cycle. You might be selling to a, a buying committee or a, a, a company overall or a, a procurement function, right? That doesn't have a, du a direct uh, uh, benefit from the purchase itself. Whereas on the B2C side, it's typically a faster transaction. The bre brevity of messaging is key because you're dealing with information overload. Uh, and what, what you're trying to do is ensure that you have enough resonance in the consumer's mind so that when they are making a purchase decision, you're within that consideration set. And so the tactics, the tactics that you then get to employ to drive purchase decisions, both in B2B and B2C are, are, are a bit different, right? On the, on the B2B side, you're trying to establish authority, credibility, which really equates to developing trust. Right, because when the purchase, when somebody's making a purchase on behalf of their organization, it's not just the purchase itself, but their personal equity that the that the purchase was the right decision for their company is a bit on the line, right? So they need to be able to trust in that decision because it impacts how they're perceived within their organizations. So then you look at things like webinars, uh, blogs, you know, con much more content marketing and account-based marketing, right? Where you're penetrating a, a certain company or a certain function within a company through very specific targeted marketing. And on the B2C side, yeah, you know, I, I, call, I call B2C today, you know, more sophisticated mass marketing because, you know, to build a brand, you, 
you know, all the academic research says you have to drive continuity and you have to drive reach, right? And there's so and there's a mathematical equation to figuring out what, you know, what that what that reach frequency and, and, and impression load needs to be to ultimately get to a purchase decision. And so you have to you have to have a a, a consistent set of communications across a variety of platforms, understanding that it's it very rarely that one impression drives a purchase decision or changes consumer behavior. So how do you have enough of a load of messaging out there that is memorable and importantly creates brand distinction? Because when you have brand distinction, you're establishing a memory structure. And when you're establishing a memory structure, you're, you're creating increased resonance in the consumer's mind, right? And that's, you know, in, in, in back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, that was, they called it jingles, right? They were, it was, right? And that was the, the you know, the, the era of 60 second television and, you know, usually three networks per country, you know, and to, today it's, 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 it's largely the same, but adapted for today's audience, right? How do you, how do you think about branding as it's not just the visual identity and the verbal identity, but what is your sonic identity? What is your haptic identity, right? How does your brand feel when you're interacting with, with, a, with a device or a platform? And so you really have to think much more holistically about how that works. Now, the reality is that a B2C message can impact a B2B purchase decision, right? Because if a consumer sees it in, you know, within their personal space, they're developing a brand impression. They then want to, when they get to the B2B space and they're looking to make a purchase decision, all of those exposures help drive positive intent, right? When executed correctly. For sure, for sure. And I think now that um, I feel like it's been a bit of a blurring of the the line between B2B and B2C in recent years, now that more and more people are working from home, I feel like the tools that we're using in our work life is having a lot more impact on the tools we use in our, our, in our personal lives as well. Um, Zoom is a great example of that. Um, like Zoom was never intended as a business to consumer product but now that everyone's been using it so much for work people use it in their personal lives as well like my, my mom uses yeah. zoom and she's never used it for work at all but that's through my influence of knowing how it works so um, through my usage of work and i could see that working for other products as well um particularly prezi um like it's if you've seen like great stuff with your team that you're gifting to or maybe your clients that you're gifting to you think oh that's a good idea for your gifts as well um and also i think prezi probably the yeah, the digital gifting space probably makes it clearer the parallels between b2b and b2c because the purchaser isn't necessarily the end recipient which is the same for a lot of b2b b2b tools and products the b2b buyers aren't necessarily the people who are going to be using the tool mm-hmm. and the people who purchase prezi aren't necessarily the people who are going to be receiving the final product so I think you can see that parallel a bit more clearly than probably other um, other industries, other verticals. Do you think? Well, I think that's a, that's a really astute observation because when I when I talk about Prezi, we're really B to B to C because mm-hmm. when a you know when a when a corporate gift giver is like when a CEO is giving out a set of gift cards to her or his employee base, when the recipient receives those cards. They have the opportunity to sign up for an account to store their digital card within a wallet, right? So they never lose it. They can always check the balance. Well, all of a sudden, when that's in their wallet and they've signed up, they are now a potential giver, right? And so our marketing activities are then geared towards once we get them in, how do we activate them as a giver? As an example, right now, we we literally today launched a promotion 
where a when a consumer signs up to receive their gift, they will get ten dollars towards a gift giving experience for somebody they care about. So right away, we're getting them to use the technology and experience what gifting is like through our platform, and that will create brand resonance, brand stickiness, and ultimately repeat purchase. Do you, do you differentiate between the the types of messaging with that um, in terms of like customer retention, in terms of um, upselling or cross-selling um, like do people who come through the b2b funnel to that point get different types of messaging to people who come through the b2c funnel to get to that point they, 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 yes well you know we I'll, i'm going to talk a little bit about how i've i've structured yeah. the business because i think it gives some insight into how we're thinking philosophically about our approach to marketing mm-hmm. so primarily today our business is in is in the us the uk and our legacy business is in australia it's where the company was founded and I have marketing teams in each of those regions, you know, a team for North America, a team for UK and, and, and Europe, and then a team for Australia and New Zealand. Those teams work within their regions to deliver revenue, uh, you know, every, every day, every quarter, every year. Those teams also have accountability globally. And so globally, we have a, a, a brand team, a lifecycle marketing team, and then an acquisition marketing team, right? So the brand team drives awareness, fills the funnel. The lifecycle team helps drive consideration and ultimately lifetime value. And then the acquisition team is, is really all about the last click, right? Getting, getting to the purchase, largely performance marketing. And so those teams work horizontally across each of the regions to determine what's working and not, not working and apply those things that are working more cohesively across the regions to advance capability of that sub-function. And so it's really, it's been really, it's, it's more of a recent change that we made within the organization, but it's exciting to see how the, ta- the teams are coming together to really help each other learn how to optimize the function. And so what we then have is a team that's thinking about the totality of the funnel on the B2C side, it's really, it's about awareness, consideration, preference and purchase. On the B2B side, it's all about lead flow, right? Getting leads into the funnel, nurturing those leads, qualifying and scoring those leads so that we're delivering higher quality MQLs to our sales team that has a, a, then a greater potential to convert those MQLs into SQLs. So do you divide up the functions by B2B and B2C or is it? one team across both kind of thing it's it's one it's, it's one team it's given our size right now it's one team across both both but we're using slightly different tools within our tech stack for you know for each of those those buying flows uh, but that being said within each of the teams there are there are special there's some people specialize more in, in like hubspot and b2b others in, in b2c and our, our braze uh you know crm platform well when it when it comes to the the different tools are they still integrated together? Um, like do the B2C tools have integration with the B2B tools or is it, is it kept kind of separate? Uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we, we leverage the same customer data platform. Okay. We, we leverage the same content management system, but then our CRM platforms are different for B2C. B2C it's Braze on B2B it's, it's HubSpot. Okay. Okay. All right. So, and- so we, you know, the, the, like the, the core of how we create, the content, the messaging, and, and segment audiences—it's one—it's one system. But then, when we think about how we get those messages out, and one is built more for lead 
you know, lead generation and lead scoring. The other is built more for typical or more traditional consumer acquisition. Okay. And, and in terms of the team roles, you don't have a, a B2B specialist on the team or a B2C specialist on the team. As you say, it's people who might have higher specialisms in different areas, but you mainly going for sort of T-shaped marketers at the moment in terms of your team compositions. A, 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 yes and no. I do have I do have some specialists. We have we have individuals that specialize in HubSpot as as an example, and they are you know they they are part marketers, part engineers. They know how to build and and ensure the integrations across the rest of our technology system are are created with the, the right kind of integrity to ensure that there's cohesive and consistent experiences when it when ultimately messaging goes out the pipeline. Okay. Okay. So. One, well, a couple more things before we restart digging into sort of the, the intersection between B2C and B2B. Um, I want to know, like, does it require you to sort of switch tack when you're thinking about it mentally? Like when you're when you're thinking about like be the B2B side of the business and the B2C side of the business, like how do you stop you get getting your wires crossed? Because as a CMO, you're responsible for so much. And I, I in a business that's just B2B, it's so much. In a business that's just B2C, it's so much. But what about when it's both? Like, how do you keep everything together? Yeah. You know, it, well, it's it's it. I, I I've actually never thought about that as, as something challenging. You know, there I've had I, you know I had, early on in my career I was I was in sales. You know, and I think anybody in marketing should do a stint in sales to really make themselves better marketers. Um, but I you know I carried a bag. I would regularly get, get kicked out of office buildings if I was trying to sell things <laughs> by the office managers. Uh, you know, it created a humility and a, and a perseverance, but it also you know. Built a strong foundation of an understanding of what the, what a good sales cycle looks like, what it means to sell, how to overcome objections, et cetera. And so that you know, and I and I I kind of stress on that because that internal wiring at this point in my career makes it very intuitive to toggle between B two C and and B two B. And 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 you know, and I, as a marketer, for me, it's it's not just B two B. And B two C, it's also you know. Then there's there's finance, right? <laughs> you think you think about our, our insights and analytics function. You think about product development and technology. Like you're constantly as a marketer toggling between all those disciplines. Because if you're going to build, if you're going to build momentum within a business, be it B to B to B or B to C, the whole organization needs to be enrolled in that journey. Need to needs to understand what success looks like and feel inspired to achieve the vision for the brand. And so you've got to be able to adapt your messaging for each internal audience to get the best out of the teams across the organization. So, so you know, when you think about the day-to-day impact of what's B2B and what's B2C, it becomes a pretty seamless and easy conversation, right? And then, and I'll say on the, the, the big difference being on the B2B side, there's, there's a dependency, a needed trust, and a commitment with with our counterparts within the sales organization, because if, if we're not working seamlessly as one team with trust between those teams, then the, the process, you know, the, the best marketing, B2B marketing process will ultimately fall apart, right? So that's that to me is maybe where the bigger toggle is, is just ensuring there's endorsement, buy-in and feedback from our, our peers and sales. For sure, for sure. Um, I, I was actually just about to ask how to uh, communicate with other stakeholders, but you've got there ahead of me, Eric. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's let's dig into the meat, like where, how B two C and B two B really intersects. I think probably best to start by thinking about 
what are the priorities for your B2C customers at the moment? And what are the priorities for your B2B customers? And how do they kind of fit together? Yeah, you know, we, um, as, as a technology platform, uh, seamless user experience is critical. Right? Consumers have little tolerance for, for friction. And in a world of unlimited choices, with coupled against limited consumer bandwidth, there the consumers are fickle, right? And so, so our number one priority is ensuring that our technology is delivering in a way that satisfies our our consumer needs. On the B two C side, right now, you know, I'm in I'm in the process of embarking on a a rebrand or a brand refresh for Prezi. We have continued ambitions for global growth and innovation and product evolution. And so I'm doing a, about to do a big piece of work on evolving our brand strategy. And if you think about it, you know, I started off talking about the fact that we ignite human connection, right? And that's really, we're not, we're not selling gift cards, we're selling connection, we're selling emotion. Well, if that is the case, then how can we be more of an ally to our consumers? How can we be more of a utility in helping them navigate their, their journeys when it comes to gifting or when it comes to connection, right? And if you just if you start thinking about that, all of a sudden you can cognitively ladder out into a bunch of adjacent categories of, of opportunity. And so I'm going to work with, with my peers across the leadership team and external brand strategy firm on really evolving our brand strategy to capture a bigger market potential and then plotting the course for growth from an innovation standpoint to help us to help us get there, and that's a big piece of work we're doing in the first half of this uh, this this uh, coming calendar year. We'll, we'll be launching it in, next summer, and, and the launch will manifest itself in a new visual, verbal, uh, oral identity for the business, uh, coupled with the new employee value proposition, and then you know an excite, exciting. Uh, marketing plan to announce to announce kind of the evolution and get consumers even more excited about the business. Um, I, I am so that's you know that's big picture strategy on a on a more tactical level. I I'm doing a lot of work right now of of trying to get increased efficiencies out of our marketing spend while evolving our our focus a little a little further away from from performance marketing to more you know I'll call it uh, more sophisticated mass marketing or or or, uh, you know, performance-based uh, video, if you will. And it's been very interesting when you think about OTT or broadcast video on demand, uh, connected TV, there's been more evolution probably in the past year than in the past five years within media. And the ability now to connect with, with sight, with sound, with emotion via video in a way that also allows you to get to highly targeted messaging where you can then, as an example, you can target an IP address through smart TV in a household. And then with that IP address, hit messaging into the devices within that household that complement your, your, uh, your video messaging. So all of a sudden you're getting to a much higher level of effective reach. And when you get to effective reach, meaning the ability to get multiple impressions to one consumer, you're increasing the likelihood of developing that memory structure that I spoke about earlier, right? And so there's, there's a ton of, of uh, technological and platform advances that have enabled this to be able to do this at scale now. So I'm technically evolving our approach from a B2C standpoint to kind of take advantage of more of these emerging technologies.
Well, and that perfectly makes sense for sort of consumer behavior at the moment. Um, consumers do expect a consistent brand experience across multiple devices. So being able to access your, send your messaging through to multiple devices makes a lot of sense. And then how do you make sure you're consistent across all these different platforms and different devices that you're accessing? Like how, how do you know that it's going to get there and look the same every time? Cause we, we talked about the importance of consistency. So how yeah. are you ensuring that that consistency is there? You know, I'm going to answer that two ways. One is we have a, we have an internal creative review process that, you know, back back in the day, I used to call them tabletops, right? You would take all the creative, literally put it on the table and you get the team to evaluate, are we consistent across the, you know, these different units? Today, you can do that digitally, but it's really, it's incredibly important to put things side by side and look at them to ensure there's, it's not, not just visual consistency, but consistency and tone of voice in a way that still speaks to the audiences as, as they need to be spoken to. So that, you know, so that's, there's ensuring a quality of, of output there. I smiled when you, when, cause you made a comment, you know, making sure it gets to the device. That to me is still, is still the, um, you know, the biggest challenge for all of us marketers, right? Is ensuring it's getting, it's getting to an actual person and not a bot, right? And, you know, cause there is still, still way too much fraud within the industry and you know there needs there still needs to be better regulation of that and better oversight um but that you know so that's just it's, it's something that we have to be conscious of as you're thinking about impression deliveries ensuring you're working with with platforms and companies and those even within walled gardens that can ensure quality of delivery and when it comes to the the innovations that you talk about in terms of how you're serving the customer how you don't have to go into the necessarily the specifics of what those innovations are but how are you how are you developing that? How are you getting the ideas, these innovations? Is it based on uh, use cases by the customers? Is it based on market research by yourself? Like, how are you developing the ideas that you're looking at? Yeah, I think I think to have to have a, a strong innovation arm within a company, you need to culturally make it acceptable that an idea can come from anywhere and anyone, regardless of seniority or background, et cetera. Right. And that's, I've seen that time and time on my time and time again in my career is when you create that kind of an environment, ideas begin to flow. The second and, and, you know, equally important element is you need to be consumer based and, you know, consumers often can't tell you what they want. And so focus groups, um, you know, more traditional research methods, I'm frankly not a big fan of, but cultural anthropology, ethnography, observing consumer behavior in their environment, that sparks enormous opportunities for creativity, right? And that's much easier to do within a digital platform, frankly, than it was back in the day when I was, you know, working on household cleaners. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's, it's really important is trying to map what those unmet or undermet needs are in the marketplace and developing innovations that serve those needs, provided there's a big enough market opportunity, right? And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of very interesting use cases coming out of the current economy. Like That's going to be affecting how people are gifting. It could affect how people are utilizing your platforms. So, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a very, very interesting H1 for you, for sure. Well, well you know, it's actually, well, it's a, that's a really great point because you know, despite all the, the problems that the pandemic caused globally, it was actually an accelerator for our business because, you know, consumers relegated to their homes 
and not, not able to interact physically became more dependent on digital gifts uh, as an option, right? And it began, it kind of, for us, it created a new consumer behavior that took, you know, what was the early majority into more of a mass majority type accepted exchange of, of, of gifts. And we've just been, you know, we've been riding the wave on that, you know, so we, we've really benefited from, you know, this is one of those, like it wasn't planned, right place, right time, right? And, and so it, for us, it's, it's created a bit of a, a nice exponential growth accelerant to our business that we're seeing continue as we go forward. And speaking of that, I'm sure a way that consumer, uh, consumer behavior changing in the last couple of years could impact the B2B side, the big shift to people working from home. I'm sure a lot and lot a lot more companies were looking at sort of digital gifting for their employees rather than physical gifts around the holidays or um during bonus time, that kind of thing. As, as, so that's one way I can see the B2C or the consumer yeah. behavior affecting your B2B side. Let's talk about some others. Well, yeah, let me let me let me extend that a little bit because there's been a, a very interesting use case that's emerged on the B2C side that is now having an impact on the B2B side. Yeah. And so we, we, we all know, you know, every, every developed economy in the world is, is, is unstable right now, right? And there's there, you know, the likelihood of a recession in the US is, is as high as it's ever been. What's interesting is we've seen a corresponding uh, impact on purchase of gift cards for self-use. And we're finding that consumers are beginning to use our digital gift cards for a personal budgeting tool. And, you know, as an example, you know, making the numbers up, but a consumer wants to spend $500 on groceries. So they'll go and they'll buy like a, you know, if you're in the UK, a $500 Sainsbury card or in the US $500 Walmart card. And they'll use that to help ensure that they don't go above their daily budget goal. And the numbers are creeping up still, still every month, right? So much so that we're I'm at the point now that we need to actually make more consumers aware of this as a tool to help them budget. So that will that will impact our B2C marketing as we go into the, the new calendar year. Now, on the B2B side, what we've also seen now is we're seeing an increasing uh, usage of our gift cards for cost of living uh, payments, right? And that's we're seeing actually a much more evidence of that within the UK than some of our other markets. I think it's it's being felt more more discreetly over in in that in that market, but we're starting to see it in the US now as well. So a really great example of a consumer trend starting to impact a a business trend. And, and it just occurred to me just then, I could imagine it being used for say per diems um, in business as well, um, like yeah. business expenses, travel expenses. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, a really really interesting way that consumer behavior can impact that side of things um so that leads on to sort of like where does where are the b2b priorities right now um like consumers obviously struggling quite a bit at the moment in terms of the economy is that having an impact on the b2b priorities as well well it's it, it is in in you know relative to what i what i said in that last question which is where you know we're starting to see usage of not just employer rewards and incentives but but cost of living and, and also employee support we have, Employee wellness is another usage occasion we've seen starting to grow coming out of the pandemic and, and frankly, still continuing. In fact, it got even, even more significant coming out of the pandemic because consumers, you know, you know I, I believe there was an expectation that things would get back to normal. 
and we know they haven't, right? This is this is our new world. We've all ad- adapted and and we're in it now, right? We're working from home, which means there's less physical contact, less human contact. And so the need for for mental well-being has has increased, right? So so we're seeing we're seeing uh, product market fit in that regard as well. But for for as we go into our next our next calendar year, the, the bigger focus that I'm going to have is, is pushing the organization to more enterprise level penetration. And um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Will uh, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Oh, I got it ready. Okay, so for B two B. As we get into our next calendar year, I'm I'm pushing more for enterprise level penetration and and a little more sophisticated account based marketing. Right? How do we really leverage the tools and platforms out there like LinkedIn to target at the company level, right? And and or target at the the category sector level, a set of companies that we want to penetrate, and work more cohesively with our sales organization to ensure that as we're driving the, the awareness, the awareness or preference driving communications within those channels, our sales team is is physically following up with with phone calls and visits to help create a, a holistic sales and marketing experience. So what's what's driving that push? Is it you recognizing that's what your B2B audience wants, or is it necessities within your own business sort of like making it more efficient, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's really it's really opportunity. You know, we well, we started in, in 2014, right? And so so here we are embarking on 2023. And we're just we're continuing to grow. And as we're continuing to grow, you know, our confidence in penetrating even bigger, larger scale corporate enterprises is increasing because now we have this wonderful history of case studies of successful performance that gives us the credibility and authority now to step in as a leader in the space, right? And it's, it's just, it's we're flexing a muscle that's more recently newly developed for us. And we, you know, we will, as we continue to grow, we will continue to penetrate to ultimately get to this, the largest scale we can. Definitely, definitely. Um, so how do you actually know what your customers, your B2B customers in particular need right now? Like, I'll be, I think when it comes to, B to C, we can rely on sort of mass market data, but particularly when you're looking into ABM style strategies, you kind of need to know individual, almost individual company needs and requirements. So how are you going about getting to know yeah, those? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I feel like what you, what you're just touching on right now is a massive subject that too many marketers and sometimes salespeople miss, which is to be successful, to successfully penetrate a B2B account, you need to first understand what the company's objectives are, what the department's objectives are. You need to know the objectives of the boss, of the person you're selling to. And you need to come in and position your offering in a way that isn't about how to make the person's life easier or better, it's about helping them be successful because the company is being successful. You're helping the company achieve their objectives or the department achieve their objectives, right? And it's, it's, it's you know, it's core, it's objective-based selling, but you really need to be doing objective-based marketing as well. And, you know, I had, I, I will tell you a story, Will, when I was a, when I was a kid, 
17 years old. I cut school for the day. And I went into, I was living in New York. I went to New York City and I visited my cousin who worked in an ad agency. And he set up a day of informational interviews for me, right? So I went and I met with the strategy team, the art directors, the copywriters, the media planners, the buyers, the plant, you know, the strategic planners, et cetera. And he was an account guy. And, and at the end of the day, he said, he said you know, my, I'm an account management. So for me to be successful, you need to understand all these other functions and you need to take their great work and translate that back to the client. And I had stars in my eyes and I said, I said, I, I, I want to do this. And he said, look, if you, if you want to do this, the only way you're going to be successful is if you strive to understand your client's business better than your client, not as well as better. That line has carried me through my entire career, every assignment, every job, every new company, I've come in with this beginners, this growth mindset of how do I really get to best in class understanding. And I take that approach to the marketing programs that I push for development of, right? It's how do you, how do you get to an insight that is best in class? How do you get into understanding a business strategy that is so good that you not only go in and help the customer achieve their objectives through your, what you're selling, but you're giving them ideas that help them achieve their or strategically advance the work that they're doing because you're bringing thought leadership into the proposition. That means oh, like you have to you have to strive for that kind of excellence. Definitely, definitely. I love that, Eric. I I almost want to end things here because um, that's a great note to to end on there. Um, how about that? Yeah, let's do what well, one last. Thing. Let's let's see if we can try and pull things everything together just as like a resolution to the show. Um, do you maybe have your three golden rules that CMOs need to think about when it comes to balancing the B to C and B to B sides of their roles? Sure. Uh, you know, I think the fir first and foremost, and this might be too trite, but but keep it simple. What I mean by that is I, I referenced earlier at the end of the day, B to C and B to B, you're still trying to drive a purchase, right? To a human being who processes information as a consumer, very similarly to how they do it as a customer. So you have to think about how you deliver in a way that drives behavior change. And related to that, the second point I would make is that creative matters. Sometimes CMOs put more effort in B2C efforts than B2B efforts, when the reality is that you need to strive for creative brilliance on both fronts. And that is largely done through emotionally driven campaigns. If you can, if you can craft a connection emotionally, it makes it much easier to rationalize your, your product point of difference. And third is, is you know, that the last topic we spoke about, which is objective-based selling. Strive to understand your consumers better than anybody else, but importantly, your customers, like customers' business better than them. Because if you can come in with that kind of expertise and be seen as an ally versus a salesperson, you'll get a win every time. Oh, that's a great way to close things out there, Eric. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today. As I say, we don't get enough CMOs on here who are working both the B2B and B2C space. So I really appreciate your perspective on this. Well, it was my pleasure. I, I, love, I love the content. I love talking about this kind of stuff. So I'm here for you anytime. Oh. 
great that's music to my ears eric and i'm sure that's music to our, my audience's ears as well i'm sure they very much appreciate this conversation um and i want to thank them for joining us today um we're going to be back soon with some more cmo combos like what you heard from this cmo combo make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was 